Welcome to the HVAC Insiders Podcast. I'm Jim DePalma. The goal of this podcast is to keep you up to date on the current trends and changes in technology within the HVAC industry and to help you use this information to grow your business. This podcast is sponsored by Wales Darby, which is a major manufacturer's representative in the New York, New Jersey metropolitan area. We've been around for five decades representing the world's largest and finest manufacturers in the plumbing, heating, and HVAC industry. Welcome to today's show. Welcome to today's podcast of the HVAC Insiders. Today we have Mr. Dave Holdorf, the residential trainer, Eastern Region for Taco. Dave, welcome to today's show. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. Dave, I've known you a long time. You're a mentor to me and a good friend, so a little, uh, little fanboy there for you. <laughs> but everybody should know that you're important to me. I've learned a tremendous amount from you. And I want to make sure everybody understands where you came from in this industry. So tell me where you started and how you, did you get to take out this time? Wow. This is uh, going on about 25 years now I've been in the HVAC industry. And uh, never thought I'd be here. Didn't grow up in the industry. Didn't know a lot about it. Um, I, I worked in a family business as a machinist and did that for a lot of years, um, you know, all through high school and, and into college. And, um, you know, we built industrial saws for the picture frame and window industry. And I always imagined I'd be the engineer working there. And, you know, I studied mechanical engineering in school. I went to uh, school in the Bronx, New York Maritime, and spent time on steamships, learning about boilers and hot water and uh, steam flow and turbines and, and really enjoyed it. Uh, didn't enjoy the aspect of shipping out and working on a steamship because as an engineer on a ship, um, your job is to stand there and watch the engine go. All right, What you get paid for is when the engine's not going hmm. you know, and how to get it back up and running again. Um, so that wasn't really the career for me. Um, and shortly thereafter, I, I ended up getting a job on Long Island um, working with radiant floor heating systems, being a tech support design guy back in 1996. And, you know, in those days, you know, radiant was new. It was scary. It was, you know, do you really trust this stuff to heat your house? You know, we're going to embed half-inch tubing and bury it in a concrete floor to never be seen again and make it heat my house. So, um, you know, even though I didn't have a lot of boiler room experience, the boiler room on the ship translated quickly and I was able to learn a lot uh, and get up to speed really fast and learn all about the systems themselves back then and that was my job. I did tech support, I did designs, but I did tech support on systems. It wasn't just the pipe, it wasn't just the manifold, it was taking a look at a whole system. Even though the company I worked for just did tubing and manifolds, I had to know the whole system. So um, so I worked, uh, and that was a uh, an opener company, and then shortly there, uh, I worked there for about eight years. Uh, we merged into Wurzbo, and I became the East Coast Field Tech, where now I was back on basement jobs and, and installs and things like that. Um, That's where I spent a lot of time with you. Yes, yeah, a lot of job sites, a lot of basements, a lot of boiler rooms. And then, uh, and then from there, um, Takeo came calling and wanted to know if I wanted to talk for a living. So stopped going to the basements. Well, once in a while I still do, but uh, you know to spend my time in, in, in front of a classroom. So now all that information I've showed between my ears over the last 25 years, I get to disseminate it back. Not to just one person at a time, but to a, a group full of people at the same time. Right, right. So, and that's, that's uh, it's been fun. It's been fun. I can honestly say I enjoy my job and what I do. I have to tell everybody who's listening, Dave is a trained engineer, but as you, as you just heard, he he's real, <laughs> meaning that he's been in the crawl spaces in the basements. He's not the book guy and says, by the book, this is what it's supposed to be. And I've always teased him. I said, you're an engineer who doesn't talk like an engineer. I understand you. <laughs> and if I can understand you, everybody should be able to understand you. Yeah. So, I mean, so I mean this in all sincerity. The classes you do at Takeo... You guys should be beating a path to get up there and take these these training classes. And that was that was one of the things I also learned in my college. All right, at, at Maritime, Maritime, um, you know, any any student that goes to a Maritime college, and then there's a handful across the country. Um, the engineers that come out of there are are hands-on engineers. You know, we're not, you know, we're book smart engineers on one side of it, but we're also hands-on. 
you need to know how to rebuild a pump. You need to know how to do some welding. You need to work on a lathe in the middle of the ocean because you've got to build stuff that breaks. So it wasn't like like today. I can go down to the wholesale and buy any part I want. Right. You're in the middle of the ocean. You're yeah. making it. Yeah. You know, it's a long you drive. Don't, you don't have a supply. <laughs> so, yeah. So, um, you know, so that was one of the, the great experiences. You know, being a machinist for so many years, too, I learned so much from so many people, uh, from my grandfather, from my uncle, um, in working at that machine shop. Um, one of my mentors there at the company, uh, this guy by the name of Robert Rizzo, the rat. You know, that's what we nicknamed him. And, you know, we worked... In, in an area that we call the specials department. We took our existing machines and just customized them for the customer. No blueprints, no drawings, no nothing. Maybe we had photographs of a machine that we built 10 years ago, and we built the machines from that. So him and I worked together doing that, and that was, that was a lot of fun too. So, and that's just like what we see today. You know, we get down to a boiler room. Actually, we get down to a basement, look at a wall, and then imagine a boiler room going there. Yeah. So um, that's that's the fun part, yeah. That that creative side, I, I would hope that a lot of the people listening grasp that creative side because that that is the beauty of this business. Yeah, we we deliver comfort. We have to connect pipes, so the components. We got to wire things. But there's a lot of satisfaction in not only just creating what you've created, thinking about it, and then producing it. I mean, that to me is is art. Yes, it's a, it's a major skill set. No different it's than music, major, yeah. no different than painting a picture. It's ours. It's know. our own art, yeah. you know, and not many people appreciate what we do sometimes. Um, and, uh, you know, there's some people that don't see the art yet. You know, it's it's kind of in their mind's eye, but they only see a part of the art. Right. You know, and I think that's one of the things that you and I get to do on a regular basis is to teach the art class, you know, and how to make it a system. It's not just a bunch of parts and pieces laying together. Now it's a system. Right, you know, and components and components that work together. So, um, you know, for me, when I do training classes, I love seeing a light bulb go off in that one guy. Right, the one person in the room, all of a sudden, the light bulb goes off, and he gets what you're saying. You know, and that makes everything worth it after that. You know, yeah. when you see that light bulb go off, yeah, um, and and understand the whole relationship and what we're trying to do and what we're trying to achieve out of it. You know, yeah. it's not necessarily selling a part. You know, it's actually trying to make a system. Right. You know, put it all together. Yeah. And everybody should appreciate that not everybody who's a mechanic can create this type of art. They can put stuff together, but if you're starting it from scratch, you're designing it from scratch, you're thinking about it, you're designing it to meet that particular job. Every job's a custom job, even though it's a 80,000 B2 boiler, four zones, you know, with zone valves or four zones with pumps. You've done it a million times. It's still custom to that particular job. And that that art is what these guys should be talking about because that's what they're getting paid on. Be proud of it. Talk about it. This is what I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah, that's what our customers, that's what their homeowners are paying us for. Right. Right, is, is for your artwork. And uh, they're not just paying for a pump. They're not just paying for a boiler. They're paying for the artwork of the system itself. So um, enjoy the art at the same time. You know, and uh, there's there's still jobs that I go back to and take a look at that I've been to. I was just at one recently. Um, you know, I, I, somebody asked me about some questions on a project, and all of a sudden they found my business card shoved behind the wall, and it was there 15 years ago. Oh boy! So, and I had the same phone number, so they called me up and said, "Hey, can you come take a look? We want to update. You know, we want to bring it into the new century with new components and stuff." So, and I couldn't remember the job, and, and finally when I get there and I'm looking around, I'm like, "Oh yeah." I remember this application. I remember this project. You know, it's fun. You know, so um, my kids don't think it's so much fun a lot of times because I drive around the neighborhoods and I said, I made that house warm. I made that house warm. And they're like, come on, Dad. Yeah. You know, oh, I snow melted that driveway, you know. So, yeah, they, you know, they, they hear that part of it. But, you know, that's that's the freak in me. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's awesome. That's awesome. I, I, I find it interesting that now um, a lot of those older systems, they knew they, they do need some TLC. I'm starting to get those calls now too, pictures of old manifolds, uh, old old four wire actuators that kind of look a little rough. It's time for an upgrade. They need to change the new actuators. You know. Yeah, you you think about twenty years of runtime. Sure. We don't think that's a big deal sometimes in a boiler room, but you know you got two hundred and fifty, four hundred thousand cycles on these components that are going on and off all day long. Um, yeah, they they need updating. 
you know, they're not going to last forever. No. You know, some of the components are going to last forever, but it's all about cycle count, right? You know, and, and what we do, and, and again, trying to make a system tries to minimize that cycle count, tries to make the system last as long as it can, you know, get the homeowners to, to get their dollars worth out of it. So, and that's when, you know, systems fail prematurely because it wasn't a system. It was a bunch of parts and pieces put together that was hobbled together, and maybe that person didn't go to any training classes yet, and he was just told, just do it this way. Right. And, uh, you know, so we want to make sure that we give that TLC and give that love to a system itself. You know, when it does go in, it is going to get you a long life if it's put together as it was intended instead of just cobbled together. Yeah. You know, that's interesting that you say that because I'll, I'll have uh, contractors say to me, um, if there's a, a new pump or a new zone valve, you know, the technology changed and the cost is higher than what they're normally used to buying. And they'll say, well, that's too much. People won't pay for it. And here you just made a point. Well, if, if they made the details right in their install from the beginning, from that earlier design, they wouldn't have to be changing some components at an earlier time. It's going to get that 20-year, 25-year lifespan. Correct, yeah. I mean... But ask how many people keep a car for 20 years. That's true. Right? And their boiler room was actually less expensive than that, you know, than that car. That's true. And they want, but they want the, the boiler room to last longer. Right. So it's interesting. How long do people keep kitchens? It's, it's all relative. And, and sometimes we need to discuss that with our homeowners, you know, instead of just trying to come in there as the low price guy. Um, understand, they, they need to understand what they're getting because they don't know. All right? That's our job. That's what we know. We know the components. We know systems. Um, but they don't know. And we need to convey that. And, and I think a lot of times we don't spend enough time discussing with our homeowners what they're getting, what they're expecting. Uh, their expectation levels are high, but we don't know what it is. They don't know what it is. So, um, you know, to explain to them what they get and what they have to do is always a challenge. So do you, do you consider that the contractor's responsibility to sell them or to educate them? It's a combination. It's a combination. Nobody wants to be sold something. Right. Somebody They want to buy something. All right. And they want to buy, but they want to make sure they're getting good value. Everybody, nobody wants to overpay and be sold as, you know, quote, quote, unquote, being sold. Sold means you bought something you didn't need. Nobody wants to be sold, but they want to be sold something and understand why they're getting it, what they're getting, um, and why it costs it, what it costs, right. you know, and how, what's my advantages? There's, and I hear it so many times, and, and we talk about it back at Take all the time at out of our training classes. Uh, well, what's my return on investment with this boiler room? You know, you're saying this is all the latest and greatest and the most efficient equipment out there. What's my return on investment? There's no such thing as a return on investment when it comes to a boiler room, all right? It may use less fuel and spend, and you'll, you'll spend less money heating your home, but you're not going to. A return on investment means you spend $100, you get 110 back over time. That doesn't happen with a boiler room uh, or any heating equipment for that matter. Uh, you're just going to spend less money to operate it over the lifespan. So, um, so yes, we need to teach our people that. You know, Customers have to be taught that. Contractors need to be taught that, understand it. Use the right lingo. It's just the wrong lingo sometimes. It's not, you're, you're not being incorrect, but it just might be the wrong terminology to what your customer understands what you're trying to convey to them. So you want to, we want to give them the right stuff. Right. Right? Maybe you're not going to spend the money in your own home, all right, but let that customer make the decision. So tell them what you're doing you know, and understand the differences. Don't get into the minutia of the difference between this pump and that pump in a project because that part, they don't, that's your responsibility. That's your expertise. All right, but if you put outdoor reset on the boiler, for example, Understand, you know, make sure the homeowners understand not to set their thermostat back 10 degrees at night like they've been doing for the last 20 years. Right. It's not going to respond the same. Right. So don't say outdoor reset's horrible for a boiler room because it's not. It's going to add efficiency and fuel consumption in the house. But it changes the performance inside the house based on what the homeowners are used to. So that's the conversations that need to happen. Say, all right, well, I put this efficient system in your house now. Let's use it in this direction. Instead of turning your thermostat back 10 degrees, yes, we understand you still want to set it back and you want to save some more fuel. That's great. Go maybe three degrees. Because when's the boiler most efficient, Jim? When it's off. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Took me a while to learn that, but I did. <laughs> 
So it, it it's just an understanding of the systems and what we do downstairs. Right? right. The homeowner's interface to what we do is just to that thermostat on the wall. Right. The rest of it downstairs is all Greek to them. We we encourage the contractors when they come to our classes that if you're not comfortable selling, then educate instead. Educate their customer. Tell them, ask them the questions of how long they're going to live in the house. You know, uh, what are their expectations or how's the current, ask them what the current system is currently doing. Are you comfortable in the house everywhere? And if you can propose systems that will correct all those issues for them. Hit the check boxes. Hit the yeah. check boxes and educate them at the same time. It's, it's probably a much more comfortable way to sell somebody because you're not really selling them. You're educating. You're bringing them involved in, in the process of making a decision. And nine times out of ten, if you're offering them a good, better, best scenario, they're going to buy that better system. Correct. Right. They, everybody's basically going to always buy in the middle. They may want the best for the lowest, but it, you establish what those prices are and educate them. They end up generally going for that better. Yeah, have the conversation with the customer. Yeah. Um, when I was troubleshooting, when I was going to all those radiant jobs over the years, when I got called to come to a job site, it usually meant the contractor was at his wit's end. All right, the homeowner was upset too. We're not just you know not getting a good heating system. I can't make the house comfortable or whatever's not happening. Um, because you know I covered the whole East Coast back then too. So if I got you called me up and said, hey, come take a look at a job site, I got my car and drove eight hour radius. So, but when I got there, I'm going to make advantage of that time I'm there. I walked into the house. The contractor wanted to bring me to the basement right away. I said, no, no, no. I need to talk to the homeowner. Let me find out what's going on up here. What are their problems? Because all they're here, all I know right now, it's not working. Well, what's not working? The whole thing? Just this area, this section here, this design, whatever. So you had to find the details. And, and the same thing when you, what's a customer looking for? Right. They're not sure, so we got to kind of guide them what they want, all right, and then give them the option of what they need right. at the same time. So right. make sure you hit their wants and hit that checklist yeah, and that, understand, yeah. That was a major thing for me to learn from you when we would go to jobs together. And, I, I, yeah, I'm grabbing on your shirt. Come on, let's go in the basement. You're like, no, 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 we, we got to walk around. we got to ask questions. And I would always like, what the hell are we doing? we got to go downstairs. But, yeah, I learned that was very important. And I learned now, even when I'm with a guy and we're going to go out and propose a new system to walk the house before we do it, to go double check to see if there's going to be a room that's got that wall of glass. Whether it's going to be radiant or baseboard or even a forced air, that's going to be a challenge right there. And I, I should be prepared for this to make sure I can hit the goals that I need in order to make them comfortable. And every homeowner is different. Everyone's different. Yep. Every demographic of a person of a homeowner is different and, and what you see and what they expect out of a house. Sometimes you can make assumptions based upon just the cars in the driveway. If you see a Prius and a Tesla in the driveway, then okay, these people want a very efficient heating system. So that means several things going on. We're going to put a lot of thermostats in the house because they want to turn them up and down all over the place. We're going to modulate as much as we can. Yeah, they may want Wi-Fi. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. then you see, you know, the 1998 Lincoln Town Car. <laughs> all right, but still polished and pristine. Right. All right. Well, they want the luxury. They want the comfort and everything. I want what I want when I want it. So we look at a little different way of maybe designing the system and what they expect out of it. Do we do a deep reset curve on the outdoor controller or do we do a little more mild so they get the temperatures they're looking for? So it's just, again, little things that you take note of. I mean, yes, I, I, I sound like I delve way deep into this. Like I said, I drive a lot. I think a lot, too. I'm by right. myself a lot. Right. So, but, but those details are really important, and I, I've learned that from you. And because of that, I... I we talk about it a lot in our classes. I know you do because that's obviously where I've learned it from. And I'm a big proponent of really being prepared before I ever put anything in to make sure I'm going to hit those boxes. So we do still a lot of radiant designs for customers. It's a hydronic system. And they still send, we still get plans. They'll send us a PDF at a plan. Or yep. we still get the hand drawing from the contractor, whoever. No information. Oh, and yeah. we have to, like, is this a wood floor? Is this a tiled floor? 
is, you know, are you doing the whole house or what rooms are you doing? And how do you want to put this in? Are, are you doing radiant and baseboard? Are, are you putting a condensing boiler in? And sometimes they get annoyed that we're asking these questions, but it's like, well, how else are we supposed to design the system if we don't know what your intentions are? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a challenge. It's that a big challenge. Yeah, and I guess that's why, you know, you and I do what we do. Yeah. You know, we get in front of people, we train all day long. It's you know, fun. And, and um, again, fun seeing that light bulb and, and, and really trying to eliminate that extra step involved now. Because now the contractor knows. Right. You know, by doing the training classes. And right. that's, what I, that's what I love about doing training classes, too. Right. So uh, I love to see people come back to classes. But then again, if I don't see them again, that's also a good thing. Now, I hope they just took that information and, and is doing good with it. Right. So now at Pateco... How old is that training center now? Just about eight years old now. About eight years old, and it's still a fantastic facility. Thank you. Right? I had everything to do with it. Yeah, I know you did. <laughs> <laughs> you paid for it yourself. <laughs> but it is a wonderful facility, and uh, I highly encourage everybody who's listening, take that trek, go up to Taco, talk to your wholesaler, say you want to go up to Taco, we can put together classes, get guys to the factory to take those training classes, because you're not going to get sold on stuff you're going to get valuable information that you're going to use the very next day you go to work that's always the takeo goal that's always the wales darby goal in any class the information we're giving you you're going to use the next day 100 percent correct 100 yeah, percent correct the, the way that we've been doing training at takeo uh, for the last bunch of years now has been an app, what we call an application training right and application is talking about designing of a system itself and, um, you know, and then we'll sprinkle in the products that fit the application. Right. So this way you understand why you've got a hunk of metal in your hands. You've got that pump in your hand. You know why you're putting it in that house, what benefit it has to you, what benefit it has to the customer. That's the biggest thing. There's so many different components you can put into a project today, even the competitor stuff. All right. And I remember years and years ago, I was in a sales meeting once and they were asking me about training classes and a lot of the salespeople that I worked with just didn't understand training and what what I did. Um, now, I mean, they understood what I did, but not to the extent. And uh, I said one day, I said, they can take my information and go install the competitor stuff. Wait, what? What are you teaching them? <laughs> I'm teaching them hydronics. Right. You know? And, and I think from a training class aspect of it, yeah, they can go and take and buy somebody else's stuff and put it in there. But we hope and we think... And we do know that if they remember who they learned it from, all right, the difference in, you know, 50 cents one way or the other, they're going to remember to buy it from the person they learned it from, uh, for one. But two is also just to make sure that we get good stuff out there. You know, make sure you got comfortable homes. Right. You know, I was, I was hanging out with a friend of mine down in Baltimore a bunch of years ago, and he's been going to training classes with me for years. And every time I do a class, and he's just like, how do you have that much energy every single time you do a class? And I said, you know, it, well, this was also hanging out late at night and had a couple of drinks by then too at the time. We were getting a little deep and, uh, <laughs> and I Solving said, life's problems. Exactly. And, and <laughs> world peace was done that night. Incredible. But we wrote it on the back of the napkin and lost it. So, uh, so we, you know, I said, I just want everybody to be happy and comfortable in their home as I am in mine. Right. You know, I just remodeled a home and, and five years ago, and I finished the entire heating system. I've been thinking about this heating system for 15 years. I've got my ideal heating system in my house now, and I wish everybody would have the same. Um, so that's my goal, you know. And if I can teach people to do that and to reach that level of a, of a system itself um, is, is what I strive for. Right, right. It, it is very fulfilling when the light bulbs go off and guys get it. And you're right. They come to a class. They learn from you. Uh, they learn from us, and, and they get our they get our contact information. So now, not only did they learn from us, they're going to call us. We and we encourage them to call us if they got a question, if they got a problem, and we answer. You answer most definitely. Yeah, yeah. guys from years Unless ago. Unless I'm in a training class. Yeah. That's correct. Yeah. Guys are still calling you from mm -hmm. years back. You find my card somewhere. That's yep. right. Yep. That's right. All right, cool. We have to say happy birthday. Oh, not mine yet. No, no, but it's oh. Takeos. Oh, yes, it is. I'm only half as old as Takeo. Only half yeah. as old. Yeah, I feel like it sometimes. They're a 100-year-old company in 2020. 100 years. That's yes. incredible. Yes. USA manufacturer, 
100 years old. 100 years old. Yeah. Who else is doing that? Yeah, there's a handful. There's a handful, you know. And uh, what's even even more interesting is that it's still a family-owned business too. Right. You know, it's not a public company and a bunch of this a big corporate atmosphere and things like that. Uh, Johnny White and his family um, have just done an, an amazing job. I mean, it's an honor and a privilege to work there. You know, I can't believe I get to work for this company. Um, you know, it's it's just enjoyable because they allow me to do what I do. Right. All right. They don't. They're not telling me what to do. They say, "You do what you do." All right. And uh, and that makes it enjoyable. And 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 to to work for Johnny like that um, is just amazing. It's just, and again, fun. Yeah. You know, there's there's days I'm like, wow, I get paid for this. Yeah. You know, so it, it is it is a good thing. And, of course, to hang out with all my reps in the regions that I've known for so many years, too. And, and, and then the co- the contractors, you know, a lot of them become really good friends. Right. You know, we spend more time together than I do with my own family some days. Right. So, right. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's more of a family now. You know, with you know, the white family itself in the company and, and then the rep families and the, the contractor families and, and everything like that. So, but, yeah, 100 years. That's amazing. incredible. Yep. Yep, and actually started not too far away from here. Elizabeth, New Jersey. Yeah, actually Manhattan. Manhattan? For about six to nine months oh, okay. in 1920. Then right. came to Elizabeth, New Jersey. Grew roots here. Yep, <laughs> and then we, we picked up and, and moved up to Providence. Right, yeah. right. And they, start, they started making hot water, yes. correct? Yeah, heating was not a big deal back That's right. then. Uh, heating was still, you know, these were steam boilers that were going into apartment buildings and not a lot of residential settings at the time. You know, your home was still heated by a fireplace or a coal stove. Um, but back in 1920, um, before it was Taco, it was known as the Thermal Appliance Company. And we made sidearm water heaters um, that went onto steam boilers to give you domestic hot water into your homes. Um, we had domestic cold water, we just didn't have hot water. Right. So uh, that's what we started on. We were known as that Thermal Appliance Company. And, and known that way for a bunch of years, um, and that little sidearm water heater did an amazing job in creating hot water, as in not large amounts of it, but large temperature. And by that large temperature, and back in the 20s, there were no plumbing codes in respect to hot water delivery into a home. So people were getting scalded, you know, by having really high water temperature coming out of the tap. So we felt that we needed to start doing something about it, and we designed mixing valves to start tempering the water to bring it down. So the name of the company as, as Thermal Appliance Company was easy to put on the side of the sidearm water heater. But when we went to a small mixing valve, all right, really hard to put the full name of the company on there, so we shortened it to T period, A period, CO, and became known as TACO. So that's why it's pronounced TACO, not TACO, <laughs> because also back in the 20s, burritos weren't that popular yet. <laughs> so... <laughs> So that's how we became known as Taco and today Taco Comfort Solutions. So, yeah, pretty really cool. Uh, as a rep for them, and we, I've been a rep for uh, at Will's Darby for 29 years. Will's Darby's been a rep for Taco much, much longer. It's a cornerstone for us. I mean, we bleed green. We are Taco. That's the way we feel. So when we see that energy out of you guys, we feed off that energy and we bring it to market every day. So it is a pleasure to represent a company like yourselves, and I mean that sincerely. You and know. it's it's you know it's amazing change that I've seen in the eight years I've been there, you know, and in the, in the almost thirty years that you've been doing it too, you know, we were known, you know, you say the name Taco today, and a bunch of people the first thing they think of is circulators. That's it. All right, we're the pump guys. Yeah, we're the pump guys. You know, so but now, it's you know it's now a system. Yes. It is truly a system. I mean, if I were to, um, I, I joke around with it, and uh, if I put the Taco logo up on a board, I have a pipe come out of the out of it, go up to the house, and turn around and come back and hook it up to a boiler, right? And that's it, right? We got everything else in between. The only thing that we're not doing at Taco is making a boiler or making pipe, right? We want to try to make it a system. So we understand systems. We understand how they all go together. So we have all those components between the circulators and the controls um, and relay panels and, and zone valves and, uh, and even domestic hot water, you know, as we're growing into that. Not even just domestic hot water, just water in general, um, you know, getting components, parts, pieces, things like that. So 
Um, as a trainer, it's been a heck of a blast to work there because I've always got something new to talk about and train somebody on. So, um, and it just keeps on growing, just keeps on growing. I mean, where we're going in the future, you know, there's uh, there's so many conversations that are happening right now. I was with some of the product managers not too long ago, and over the next five years, we're going to have 90 new products that come out. Really? Yeah, 90. Now, some of them are going to be variations of existing products. Uh, so, like uh, uh, some of our uh, newer ECM circulator line, we've got new stainless steel ones coming out. Okay. All right, so that's an example. Right. But there's also brand new stuff that we've never seen before that we're working on and developing and doing the R&D on. Um, so, and, and also expanding the market at the same time. So, and not just limiting ourselves to hot water heating. All right, we want to be involved in water. So one of the newer things that we're working on is chilled water and Fantastic. cooling and cooling homes now. So because we know how to move it, right? That's right? So we can and control it. So we've got the parts and pieces there. So now we're looking at chilled water applications. So we're we're developing. We're in the process in the design stages right now um, of doing some heat pumps. So now where we can do low temperature heating, high temperature cooling as what we mean by that, by low temperature heating, keeping water temperatures around 120, 140 degrees or so to, to heat a home. Um, but then high temperature cooling, as in not 42 degree chilled water, but keep it up in the 50s and 60s range, where we can do some cooling capabilities out of it and also supply domestic hot water. So these are some of the things that we're looking at too, you know, and trying to create solutions. Um, as we were talking about earlier today, Jim, that we, we um, you know, we see this trend or conversation all over the place as electrify everything. That's correct. All right, and try to get rid of fossil fuels and, and whatnot. Um, so because then they, you know, so we gotta we gotta stay in front of that at the same time if we still want to have because we know hydronics is a very comfortable bit, uh, heating form in our homes. Um, we don't want to go to electric strip baseboards in the house or you know fit, uh, electric uh, coils and, and whatnot. So. Um, still want to keep that hydronic aspect of a house because of the comfort level that we can deliver with it, but now we may have to look at different heat sources. Who knows what the, the future is going to bring right. uh, in those aspects. Right, right. We, we, we've learned quite a long time ago that a, a three-quarter pipe can carry many more BTUs than a equivalent size piece of ducting, you know, where you're moving air through it. And... I represent a major MIDI split line, and it's just this past week I've been on two projects where in order to get the heads where we had to get them <clears throat> and where the outdoor unit had to be, we were going to be outside of the capabilities of line cell length. That was a limiting factor. Mm -hmm. So then they're looking at me like, what else can we do? I'm like, well, we can do a chiller system. And they got very confused looks on them. And I said, think of a chiller like a boiler that makes cold water. Oh, okay. And I said... We're the Takeo guys, and we represent a PEX line, Upanor. I can move water from here across town. It's not a problem. So now that limitation's gone. Correct. And it completely opened up the possibilities of these new pro these two projects that we were on. Completely changed everything. Because they were both historic buildings. We were not allowed any equipment on the sides or in the front. Nobody could see it. We only had one space in the back. And from the from the street, the buildings didn't look like much, but they kept going and going as we walked to the back. So we now had no limitations. I could put heads in every single room, or I could put a uh, a wet coil and feed some ducting and take a, a couple of rooms. Completely changed the whole. Oh, that's that's the beauty of, of right. hydronic heating and cooling. Right. You know the flexibility of so many different systems that we can tie into one. Just on the heating side alone, you know, we can start off with what we know most, thin tube baseboard. But then we can go to fan coils. Then we can go to cast iron baseboard. Then we can go to panel rads. Then we can go to radiant floors. Uh, we can go to convectors. There's so many different ways that we can eat at home with one heat source. Yeah. All right? And it all depends upon the construction method. So I always look at it this way when I, when I try to heat a home. I, tr I make the heating system match the house. I don't change the house to fit the heating system. Right. And unfortunately... A lot of homes are designed, a lot of projects are designed around heating and cooling a home. I'd rather do it the other way around. Right. You know, and there's so many ways that we can do it hydronically. So, um, you know, and, and, and of course, the technology is changing all the time.
know, as you know, as we hit our hundred years compared to that side on water heater to what we're doing today. Um, and then as uh, you know, the technology is changing by us because we want to, or the market's calling for it, or even by um, standards and codes that are coming out. So just this past year, a couple last month, um, there's new regulations in pump manufacturing. They have to reach certain efficiency ratings. Um, and, and the government's involvement in DOE ratings with circulators and pumps, and they had to reach certain standards. The government gets involved only because they understand that about 25% of the electricity produced in this country is used to run a pump somewhere. <laughs> Not necessarily our little pumps that we have in our homes, right? All right, but a pump somewhere, whether it's for the uh, municipalities, you know, for delivering water out to your homes, uh, pumping them up into the water towers, um, treatment plants, cooling towers. You know, there's so many pumps being used out there that we don't really know about, but there's a lot of electricity. And a lot of these older pumps are running at 20% wire-to-water efficiency. So they need to be updated, you know, whether it's done by controls, make them variable speed, change the motors on them to make them more efficient, do new hydraulic designs. So uh, so that code just passed this past January, um, and we, we've had to update all of our pumps. So we've got a lot of pumps that have been updated. Some of them have already met those standards. So they're already right. there. Some of them needed to be redesigned. We had to throw a controller on them. Um, on the smaller residential side, that hasn't been mandated yet, um, but it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. So uh, we, we've also updated those circulators too. Right, right. That's, that's huge because there hasn't been a change in circulators in... I think we put, we talked about it earlier. 71. Since 71. 71, the 007 came right. out, yeah. And yep. then that little bit of an evolution. But then the next change, as you said, was putting the switch on for three speeds. Yep. And yep. that was 16 years ago. <laughs> and here we are today. Yeah. So the know. new the new ECM variable speed search that we have, yes. Right. Um, you know, it's, I, I do a lot of training on People want to hear about them because it just sounds too good to be true. Um yeah, there are a few more dollars, so they uh, they need to understand why they're spending. Because as far as everybody know is, is concerned, 007 ain't broke. That's right, and it isn't. It still it works, isn't. but <clears throat> it will go away. It may have to go away soon. You know, when that time comes, we don't know, but we are preparing for it. Right, we needed to prepare for the day that that little 007 is not going to be able to be made anymore. It's going to be mandated out. So we wanted to prepare, and we wanted everybody to get used to it, too, at the same time. So it's interesting to think about, and I, I use this analogy a lot, and think about about 10 years ago, and when the government got involved in mandating light bulbs. Right. So 10 years ago, incandescent light bulbs, who were the manufacturers back then? Like GE, Westinghouse. Sylvania, right? Yeah. right? So all those companies were out there. And then all of a sudden, we needed to start switching over and getting more efficient in lighting. So, the first light bulbs that came out, CFL light bulbs, all right, compact fluorescent light bulbs. Who makes light bulbs today? I couldn't even tell you. Right. And the reason, do those three still make them? They yeah. do make LEDs and CFLs today, but they didn't believe that anybody would spend nine dollars for a light bulb when an incandescent cost you seventy-eight cents. Right. What did people do? They bought them. They bought them. They bought them. In a big way. So those companies were sitting fat and happy, sitting on the side, not, not knowing what to do. Um, and then all of a sudden, all these other companies came out of nowhere. So we're trying to stay ahead of the trend on that, re on that respect when it comes to the circulators. Let's give them what you want. You want the same light bulb, just in a higher efficient format and something that's going to last longer. Let's put some technology into our little circulators. All right, so we've put that tech in there now. So because there hasn't been any changes in almost 50 years, let's put it into that circulator. We've, right. We're doing controls and all this other stuff going on and zone valves and, and trying to make everything as good as possible, and now we're doing that with the circulators too. So because of the manufacturing tech, yes, they cost a few dollars more. But understand what you're getting out of it. Come to a training class, all right? Just because they cost a few dollars, are you getting what you want out of it? Most definitely, if not more. So... Uh, so that's the goal um, and where we're looking with the new technology. You know, we got to update the old stuff because 
we got to make sure that people are satisfied and getting what they want out of it too. So yeah, that's no, a big deal. And the the ability to have a variable speed circulator on the system side married up to a boiler that's going to change its output based on outdoor temperature completely changes the changes the game when it comes to heating. Now you you have the heartbeat of the house, which is the circulator. It's not the boiler. The boiler doesn't move the heat through the house. It's the circulator. Right. So now if I got a circulator that can match BTUs being produced by the boiler based on the temperature outside, because the boiler's regulating its firing rate, the comfort level in the house is, is going to change completely. Agree 100%. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I put one of the early AC version Delta T circulators in my home, four-zone system, standing by a cast iron boiler that I put Takeo Outdoor Reset on. And my wife looked at me, and she goes, I don't know what you did, but the house is comfortable everywhere. I used to have a couple of cold rooms, and she goes, everywhere I go in the house, it's comfortable. And you changed one thing. It changed the pump. Well, yeah, down at the outdoor reset, but the pump change right. made a big deal. A lot of modulation going on. A lot of modulation Using going on. Using more tech in the house, making it more comfortable. Yeah. Yeah, people think they're comfortable until it's actually more comfortable. Right, which right. Which is amazing. And I, and I, it's it's so easy to teach when you have an example, and if an ex, it's an example that you live with, right? So I'm using my home. Yeah, I live with it. I understand it. And any changes I've made to my home, I can always relate to contractors to how that is in change the comfort level of the home, right? And then when I made that complete change, oh my God, how the comfort level of the heat change was was a big deal. Huge, yep. huge. Yep. Um, this has been this has been incredible, Dave. The information you give is, is incredible. And it, it's a joy to it's talk fun. to you because, again, you're an engineer, but you don't talk engineer. <laughs> you relate it to every single level. Being an engineer just means I got a piece of paper. Right. That said, I you know I took classes at school and, and I learned these things. No, it's more and than there's that. there's Come a on. lot of things that you learn in the field itself. You know, when I was in college and I remember going to take a final exam and I'm driving my sister-in-law to school. We're both taking tests at the same day at the same school, and uh, she didn't go to Maritime. This was community college before then, and uh, I'm driving there and I have all my books going to class. She's like, what are you doing? I thought your test was first thing this morning with me. I said, well, it is. Well, what are you doing with the books? Are you going to try and study like in a five-minute walk up to the classroom? I said, no, we use the books in class. And meanwhile, she was studying to be a teacher. She had to memorize everything for her tests. Oh, wow. You know, so as, you know, saying that I'm an engineer just knew where I can find the information, what book to look into. I got, you know, I had a four-hour test with three questions. All right, here you go. Go answer it. Go find the answers. Oh, jeez. You know, so that's what it was like. Um, so it's, it's, it just says, all right, I know where to find information, you know? And when I first started in the industry, I would look to people that knew this stuff already, you know, that would look around, for example, like Dan Hollihan, you know, being a fellow Long Islander, like I am, I would look up to him. I would call him. I would talk to him a lot of things and, uh, and, and other manufacturers at the time and the boiler companies and, and, uh, the people that have been doing it for a while, uh, that I would learn from. So you got to find the information. The information's there, all right? It's in that book. It's in that person, all right? It's in that company. It's all out there. So, um, you know, just being that I'm an engineer just says I took classes for it, wow. you know? So but we're, we're all engineers. There's more than that. Yeah. And, and since you brought up book, and, and I know you did it just because you were just talking about yourself, for the first time ever, you guys created a Takeo catalog. Yes. A magazine-style Takeo catalog, one just for heating, one just for plumbing, and one combined. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I have the heating one in front of me, and we teach out of, this, out of this catalog now. The beginning of the catalog is, yeah, there's spec sheets on all the different products and pump curves and stuff, but on page 28 of this heating catalog is formulas and reference information. And we're teaching our hydronics class, all the stuff that... You taught us, we're teaching it too, universal hydronics formula, how to size the piping, how to figure out CV and head loss, you know, how to figure out the head loss in your piping runs, how to figure out head loss when you're dealing with PEX pipe. It's all right here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when we do our classes, we're opening this book, they're referencing it, they're, we're giving them problems, and they're using this book to figure out the answers. So not only is this now a catalog, 
it's a reference point for them that that Tra- these guys are now taking with them. I know they're taking guy. it with yeah. them. It's a training guide. They're taking it with them on the job. It's on the truck. And if they got a question, they got something to refer to. This is absolutely fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So you guys should be so well commended is, for this. Is, you know, like you said, it was 10 years in the making. Um, it's hard. And now, and if you, if you, you out there listening to this, and if you happen to get your hands on a catalog, it is not everything we make. No. So, and that's why it took us 10 years to come out with, because one, we're always changing our product and we're coming out with new stuff. But two, it was just like, what are we putting here? You know, what's important to you? Um, knowing that we still have more stuff behind that. So that was the challenge that we had in trying to put this book together and then the back part of it in, in putting the reference tables and the formulas and whatnot. Um, you know, giving you that information so you can continue designing systems and installing systems. Again, not just parts and pieces. The front part of the book is just parts and pieces. You know, if you don't go through the back part of the book, then again, it's just cobbled together. Right. So, um, but one of the things that's hard is just because you get your hands on that book doesn't mean you are going to be able to put together a system still. You know, you still want to get to those training classes and, and understand what we're trying to do in that training class. So um, so the one thing, the one point I do want to make about training in that aspect, because, you know, we've been talking about it for the last 25 minutes or so, is the expectations of coming to a training class. Um, go with an expectation. Read up a little bit. 20 minutes. Spend 20 minutes on the topic that's going to be there when you go to a training class that's put on by your rep, by your wholesaler, by a manufacturer that you go to. Yes, there's the part of the social, the social part of meeting a manufacturer or whatnot um, and spending time with these people and learning from them. But then there's also your expectation as an attendee going to a training class. If you're going to go... Write down a couple of things that you wanted to get out of it before you get there. All right? And convey that or make sure that your expectations is what the class is. There's been way too many times where somebody came to a training class and just because it said Taco on it, he thought he was going to learn about pumps and I was doing a totally different training class. Oh, when are we going to do the pumps today? Yeah, yeah, because we could do a class on Taco, and it's all of voltage wiring. Yeah, nothing yeah. to do with a pump, mm-hmm. only in how to control it. Yeah. yeah, so get understand what you want to go for, understand what you want to get out of it. What's the advantage to you to go to that class? Do some homework. All right, we're doing the trainer in front of the room is doing his homework to making sure that he hits every bullet point that was in that flyer or that brochure for the training class. Make sure that those bullet points match yours. All right, make it important. All right come there bring a notebook all right because we're going to give you a pad in case you forget it and that happens all right but if we give you a pad and you write something down on that pad and you just take the the top piece of paper off of it it gets lost it gets misplaced things like that if you have your training book you know your notebook you can always reference back to it right and that's you know writing it down makes you remember it for a longer period of time but doesn't make you memorize it Make sure because when you got that book, you're gonna go back and look at it again, and again, and again, and then eventually, the first half of that book, that notebook that you have, you don't look at it anymore. You know why? Because now you've memorized that now information. Now you memorized it. All right. So you need to go back and take a look at those notes too, even after that training class. A couple right. of weeks afterwards, look at those notes. You know, keep that notebook still because you're gonna add more to it. Once the cement hardens in the head it's time to retire okay you know so we always want to make sure that concrete stays a little slurry still so what are you referring to Dave I'm getting old what are you doing where are you going here never 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 (laughs) old is just a number yeah I mean we our hydronic classes we do our advanced one which goes over four different sessions and that's generally you know three and a half three to three and a half hours a session Mm mm-hmm and then we have a speed date version of it where we do it in, you know, two and a half to three. And I'll tell the guys when I do the speed date version, say, look, I'm going to hit you with a lot of information. I only need you to concentrate on one thing. That's it. Concentrate on the universal hydronics formula. And now with this catalog, everything else that we've gone over, you know a page to go to to go back and review. Correct. And it does, it does take the room, makes the room calmer. Everybody does relax. And they start to focus more on that one thing that we want them to know. They'll, obviously, they're going to understand everything else we go over because we're going to go over it. We're going to do a good job. But now they have that reference. 
And as you said, you got to review. And what, 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 what did we learn from uh, Johnny B? If you don't review it uh, 10 minutes a day for the first week, you'll remember 50%. And after two weeks, you'll you, you hey, lose it all. We lose it all. We had a good meal. Mm-hmm. That was a good meal. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Really pretty A cool. lot of those things, when I first got involved in the industry 25 years ago, I had those charts cut out and taped all around my computer monitor. There you go. You know, it was all over the place around my desk so I can use it as a quick reference. You know, if I was into tattoos, I probably would have had a tattooed on my forearms. Right. So I could just look down at it and there it was. Um, so um, I do know one guy that did that. He tattooed him? He tattooed himself, yes. <laughs> yep. I saw the, the, the 571 heat motor zone valve wiring diagram tattooed on his forearm. Oh, my gosh. Because he didn't want to look it up anymore, so he put it on his forearm, <laughs> so it was right there always. <laughs> <laughs> so that was uh, yeah, that was many years ago I ran into him. So, um, you know, but, you, you know, we put those things around there and, and, and try to memorize it all. It's funny you should say that because when they come to our four-week class, we do give them a, uh, a T-shirt, and on the back of it is the universal hydronics formula. So at least they could turn around and say to somebody, what's it say on my back? And remember it and, and use it. All right, Dave, this has been fantastic. Tell everybody where they can find you, either via email or obviously come up to class. How do they come up to a t- class up at TACO? Uh, TACO has we, – we're that building is always full of people. Right. Uh, there's always a training class. Um, our Flow Pro University uh, online e-learning classes we have already there, so you don't even have to make it to the factory yet. Um, but if you want to come up to the factory, um, take a look at uh, Flow Pro Training. Um, we do six classes a year where John Barber and myself are doing a, a full-blown two-day training class. Um, so that schedule will get announced pretty soon. Um, find out about it through our social media pages and Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, myself, uh, David Holt, at David Holdorf on uh, Facebook and on Twitter. And on the uh, Instagram page, I am Taco Training. Uh, there is also the Taco Comfort page, too, that you know, you'll find all that information. So um, we're very easily found. Uh, Fantastic. For us all over the place, yeah. Fantastic. And if you're not sure, check with your local rep. Check with your local wholesaler. Um, there's always different trips that we got. I mean, I do probably 35 different classes a year up right. at the factory. So... Um, I spent a lot of time there. Please come, take a look. It's not just a training center. It's also on the other side of the wall is where the stuff's being made. Right. All right. So you're going to the stuff that you've been putting in for the last 20, 30, 40 years is being made on the other side of that wall. All right. And we're going to show it to you. We're going to bring you around too at the same time. And yeah. I'm back in my element, back to my machining days. So I love going back out there too. So. And, and those people that make it, they want to show you what they're doing. Oh, definitely. They're yeah. proud of it because they've been doing it for a good 20 years. I think that's the minimum, <laughs> right? The yeah. people on the floor there? Yeah. Our average average 10 years, 19 years of take-up. 19 years, yeah. fantastic. Yeah. That's why yeah. the consistency is so good. Yeah. Or yeah. even get to your training at your local rep level, too. You know, Come to Wales Derby. Get the training here, too. You want to come up to the factory, we'll dive like Jim. You know, They do a shortened, condensed version here. They do the longer version. You come up to take we got you. All right? and, and this way you can focus on your craft and on your artwork. That's right. We want you to help. We want to help you build your business. That's what it's all about. That's right, Dave. Thank you very much. It's always a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. It was a great day.